coming up on Philosophy Talk. Honesty, integrity, communication skills, relational skills. What makes a good leader? John is in a basement mixing up the medicine. I'm on a pavement thinking about the government. In conventional usage, when we talk about a good leader, we usually mean a moral leader. What does a good leader need to be? What does a good leader need to do? I've always thought that one of the good mantras for, for leadership is that you always share credit and you accept blame. Our guest is Deborah Rohde from the Stanford Law School. The leaders who are truly both effective and ethical are the ones who inspire. Girl by the whirlpool's looking for a new fool. Don't follow leaders or watch a parking meter. Not everybody is capable of being Mother Teresa, but I think everybody can be taught to be more effective. Leadership, coming up on Philosophy Talk, after the news. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of 91.7 KALW, local, innovative public radio for San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the beautiful Stanford campus. And from that oasis of thought, we migrate to this oasis of the air, and from the air to the internet via our blog, theblog.philosophytalk.org, where our motto is cogito ergo blogo. Go check it out. Right, and, and, and maybe now that the, the spring quarter is over, Ken and I will actually find some time to write some blogs. That would be nice. Yeah, it would be. Exercise some leadership, which, by the way, is the topic of today's show. Leadership. Ken, what is a leader? What's a good leader? Uh, we should make some fundamental distinctions, and here's one. Tell me, was Hitler a great leader well, or not? Well, Hitler was certainly an effective leader. I mean, in one sense, he led millions of people in a in a great nation to, to consequential outcomes. Of course, it was disastrous. It was morally disastrous. So I don't know. I mean, he was effective but not ethical, not moral. So I, you, I would think you would want both components for a truly great leader. But at least now we've got a distinction between the affecting effectiveness of leadership. Does does this guy take you where he wants to go? Uh, and uh, moral leadership is is the place he's taking us worth going yeah, to. Yeah, right. Suppose now, there's another question you might ask. I mean, who are the great leaders? I mean, if I lined up a bunch of potential leaders and said, okay, John, pick out the great leaders, the guys, are going to, the guys and gals, the folks who are going to be great leaders, what qualities would you look for in them? Well, that's an interesting question. And, you know, if we get away from the political sphere, uh, the sphere of people that need to be elected, it's very interesting. I mean, take, take computers. Uh, would I have picked out Bill Gates in 1980 as a great leader? Probably not. I would have put a lot of I would have put whatever money I had in Microsoft, and I'd have a lot more now. Uh, he doesn't strike one as a great leader when you think of, you know, Churchill and Roosevelt. But he's been very effective is within that, the, the, the computer world. Is that because you think he's like got the charisma of a rag doll? I mean, he's not a very charismatic guy. <laughs> uh, it's a little unfair to rag dolls. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, but, but, <laughs> but, you know, there's this distinction that goes back to uh, Max Weber. Uh, Max Weber talked about charismatic leaders, right, who will work outside any kind of fixed uh, – institutional or bureaucratic context who have to, like, start a movement. And they do so not by any antecedent authority, but just by their own charisma. Uh, so, I, yeah, there are, there are charismatic leaders, but there are also leaders that work within a bureaucratic setting and who have the, the bureaucratic 
responsibility behind them. They already have a certain kind of authority, and you want them to be effective in exercising that authority. That might not take much charisma. Well, I, I think that's a good point. We've got another good distinction now between re- leadership roles that require charisma and a lot of other things like that, and that's maybe our ordinary conception of a leader or, or Churchill or somebody. But then you've got people like Eisenhower or, or you know, Bill Gates, I suppose, that are very good at working within a system, within a bureaucracy, at seeing opportunities, of influencing people on a one-to-one yeah. basis to do what they need, but aren't the greatest speech givers and crowd and right, followers exactly. in the world. And then there are parents. I mean, they're not, they're kind of betwixt and between, right? A family is not like a bureaucratic organization, but it's not like starting from scratch either. It's, it's kind of complicated. Look, there are many different kinds of leaders, many different settings in which leadership might be exercised. And our roving philosophical reporter, Polly Stryker, found a very unusual leader. She files this report. It's one thing to lead in the military, in government, or in business, but try leading the homeless. I'm homeless because I dropped out of society. You know, I lived in Miami, I was a sous chef, and then I got into drugs, and everything just went bad from there, it really did. Well, sometime it's this bus, like the Mission Line bus, that let people ride all night when they can't get into the shelter, and I like last night. I didn't go to sleep last night. Well, religiously, we say, well, everyone was made in the image and likeness of God, so there's that of God in everyone, everyone, the homeless person, the person that's in jail, the person that's out on the gallows, that all people have goodness in them and probably more goodness than the opposite. Father Louis Vitali leads the homeless at St. Boniface Church in San Francisco's infamous Tenderloin District. Personally, I believe that the best leaders are people who draw people together and draw from that words of what we can call authority, insight, inspiration. In terms of politics or, generally speaking, lay leadership, it's simply seen as some character that they have. And generally, it's based on personal talents. An example that was commonly given was John Kennedy had a certain charisma in the sense that he had some talents that probably most people didn't have. So where does charisma fit into church leadership? In church view, it's something that comes from the Holy Spirit. It's a gift from God. So someone has kind of special gifts, special graces. We have a term we use, donus regiminus, the gift of office, that one gets a certain gift with the position that enables them to kind of have a little extra wisdom there. And I felt that, to be very honest about it, one gift that I felt that I had was not to be critical. Father Vitali started a program at St. Boniface that allows the homeless to sleep in the church pews during the day while activities go on around them. I do believe that you know, the poor have a special grace because they don't have as many distractions. You know, and I think they cling more to other people than they do to their bank account or whatever, and that to me is healthy. Father Vitali says Cesar Chavez really inspired him as a leader. I went to him and listened to him uh, speak of fasting when he was doing long fasts. I visited him and was able to hear from him what inspiration it gave him and how it helped him to discern directions of leadership. He really tried to draw from the grassroots campesinos, the ones who were the workers, uh, struggling to 
raise their families in a new country and all of that. And he tried to draw from them, and that was his inspiration. It was very inspiring to me. It was leadership coming from the roots. So what does he focus on in order to lead the homeless? Well, one of the major things in terms of working with people and trying to provide some leadership in a, in a community like this uh, is to give people a sense of esteem. I don't think anybody can really lead unless they have some sense of confidence in themselves because you're asking people to do something or move in a certain direction. So you have to have some confidence that you're able to do that yourself. What's the most difficult thing about this position of leadership? There are times when you fail, um, lots of them, you know, lots of them, especially when you're working with uh, people like this population and you want to see them do well. and. You know, addictions are just so overwhelming and they're so destructive and they're so hard to do anything about. That would probably be the most discouraging thing is how many times you set up to really do something with someone and they seem to be really eager to do it and then it's just too overwhelming for them. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Polly Stryker. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.